0: Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 1094 of the Juice Box Podcast. I'll be speaking with Kim today. She's 42 years old, a type 1, and a school teacher. Kim's got a number of things going on here. She's had gastric bypass surgery, which we speak about. Her family has a, a, a deep and rich history with autoimmune issues, and she's had three heart surgeries in total. There's more than that even, so I'm not even scratching the surface on who Kim is. Please don't forget that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. As the end of the year approaches quickly, I just want to take this moment to thank all of you for subscribing and following and supporting the juice box podcast. It means the world to me. And I will absolutely be back for a 10th year of the podcast in 2024 because of the kind support that you all lend. If you're looking for community around type one diabetes, check out the juice box podcast, private Facebook group juice box podcast, type one diabetes, but everybody is welcome. Type one type two gestational loved ones. It doesn't matter to me. If you're impacted by diabetes and you're looking for support, comfort, or community, check out Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. Today's episode of the Juicebox Podcast is sponsored by the Contour Next Gen Blood Glucose Meter. This is the meter that my daughter has on her person right now. It is incredibly accurate and waiting for you at contournext.com slash juicebox. A huge thanks to a longtime sponsor, Touched by Type 1. Please check them out on Facebook, Instagram, and at touchedbytype1.org. If you're looking to support an organization that's supporting people with type 1 diabetes, check out Touched by Type 1.
1: Hi, my name is Kim. I'm a diabetic.
0: Nice. Perfect. (laughs) Uh, How old are you?
1: I am almost forty two. Forty two in a couple of weeks.
0: Oh, I'm uh, for, <laughs> I'm 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 fifty two in a couple of weeks.
1: Ah, are you a July birthday? I am. As am I. Were you born on the golden day of July seventh?
0: Is that the day you were born? That's yeah, of course. Is that what made it the golden day?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I. Seventh child, born on the seventh day of the seventh month. I mean, you can't get better than that. Wow. Except my sister had two babies on my birthday, three years apart. And one of them was born 07, 07, 07, She So she one-ups me.
0: It feels like what you're explaining to me is that this thing that you thought was very important turns out to be very common.
1: Whoa, whoa, easy there. No, I have lured many people into magically having babies on my birthday with my magnetic pull of awesomeness. I'm like, you should also partake in the awesomeness of a July 7th birthday.
0: <laughs> Kim, I don't think you should talk about childbirth and then say no. you have a magnetic hole or ma- what did you say?
1: Why did you have to make it weird? Why did you have to make you it said, weird? Come you on, said now. it,
0: I didn't say it. Like, I just,
1: you have skewed everything. All,
0: all I did was listen to what you say and repeat it back to you
1: so, in the weirdest way possible. I
0: mean, you said it. All right. So you're 42 ish. How old were you when you were diagnosed now? You had a, you had a misdiagnosis. Is that right?
1: I did. Yeah. So I was diagnosed as a type two diabetic in December of 2019. Okay. And went in with a, my A1C was 14.8 um, when I went in. And I went in because I thought my sister had, um, so I was 37, 38. I was 38 when I was diagnosed. And my sister, my, just older than me, at 38, um, started losing weight. She was all shaky. It turns out she had Graves' disease. So I my hair is falling out. And I've lost 30 pounds without trying, which is surprising because I had a gastric bypass at 15. Like weight has never been an easy thing for me. And um, and I go in to get my thyroid tested because I'm like, oh, I probably have Graves' disease as well. And my thyroid was completely normal. And my my uh, blood sugar, my fasting blood sugar, the nurse said to me, did you eat a donut before you came in? She's like calling to give me test results. And I was like, Ugh. or she said, were you fasting? And I said, yeah. And she said, you didn't like eat a donut on the way. And I was like, no, I'm not dumb. You know, like I was like deeply offended that she would suggest. And she's like, because your glucose was a little elevated. And I'm like, well, like how high? And she's like 375. <laughs> and I'm like. Okay, well, I don't even I know nothing. And so I Google it and everything says like seek medical immediate medical attention. I'm like, great, I'm gonna die immediately. And of course, when she called me to tell me this, I was eating homemade caramels, like just popping them one after another. So
0: are you in the Midwest?
1: I am in Upper. Oregon, actually. Oh, okay. I won't tell you where, so no one can come and kill me.
0: Yes. Oh, you're the second person who said that in two weeks when I've been recording. <laughs> they said, okay, <laughs> I had to, I had to, I made a, an announcement. I said, nobody go kill Dana. <laughs> so,
1: yes, I just listened to that oh, episode this morning. You, oh,
0: that's why you said it. Okay. I was like, yeah, that's don't, crazy. Don't
1: come kill me. Yeah,
0: yeah no. Don't. Please. Leave Kimball. I,
1: I also will not go look for Dana. She seems like a very nice person.
0: <laughs> okay, so wait a minute. I, I heard a lot. I need to pick through it. You had a okay. gastric bypass when you were 15 years old?
1: I did. I was born with a congenital heart defect mm-hmm. that they diagnosed at two months old and then just was fat. I was just really fat. For I mean, I weighed, I'm five, uh, five okay, I like to say five, eight. I'm really like five, seven and a quarter, let's be honest. <laughs> um, and at the time that I had gastric bypass, I weighed 270 pounds. I had done... Weight Watcher, well, not Weight Watchers. I'd done Nutris. I'd done everything imaginable. I took I took fenfan when I was twelve. I mean, like all the things, right? Um, and nothing really worked. And I needed um, I needed heart surgery because my blood pressure was really high. And so this was. It's the only thing in my life I've ever been underweight for. My my BMI was slightly lower than they wanted it to be, but they made an exception. And so when I was 15 which was the absolute youngest you could be to have gastric bypass i had a gastric bypass done and it's it wasn't laparoscopic at the time it was in 1996 and so i have a scar from my sternum to my belly button
0: did it work
1: yeah it really did, How much did it what when i say it worked i mean that it gave me the ability to fight weight in a more normal way instead of a hundred pounds at a time, you know, it's 30 pounds at a time. Like what I assume everybody else, how everyone else is, is fighting weight. But I lost a hundred pounds in about nine months. Uh, my hair fell out a lot. I was certainly malnourished in a lot of ways just because, you know, you can eat so, so little at first. It's like, I, I would eat like two bites and I'd be like, I'm done. You yeah. can't, you have to sip. You can't, my stomach was two ounces. And so, but yeah, I mean, I really, the highest, the the lowest I weighed right after surgery was about 167.
0: Contournext.com slash juicebox. That's the link you'll use to find out more about the Contour Next Gen blood glucose meter. When you get there, there's a little bit at the top. You can click right on blood glucose monitoring. I'll do it with you. Go to meters, click on any of the meters. I'll click on the next gen. And you're going to get more information. It's easy to use and highly accurate. Smart Light provides a simple understanding of your blood glucose levels. And of course, with second chance sampling technology, you can save money with fewer wasted test strips. As if all that wasn't enough, the Contour Next Gen also has a compatible app for an easy way to share and see your blood glucose results. ContourNext.com slash juicebox. And if you scroll down at that link, you're going to see things like A buy now button. You could register your meter after you purchase it. Or what is this? Download a coupon. Oh, receive a free Contour Next Gen blood glucose meter. Do tell. ContourNext.com slash juice box. Head over there now. Get the same accurate and reliable meter that we use.
1: And then the highest post-surgery. I fluctuated between like 170 and 200 or I don't know. Twenty years, fifteen years, and then I started counting calories probably six or seven years ago, and uh, pretty regularly. I'm and I found um, running. I started running, and that those two things together just kind of led to a life where I was sitting in the the low one sixties for a long time, and then um, when I was diagnosed, it was like kind of all of a sudden that my, I had gained a little bit of weight. So in August, I went to the cardiologist and I weighed like 185 in the afternoon. And, um, and when I went to the doctor in December, I weighed 152. So I'd lost 35 pounds without trying, I mean, just, you know, eating everything in the world and always hungry, always tired, blood sugar through the roof. And then because I was misdiagnosed for a couple of years, um, I controlled, I tried to control everything simply with my diet and I stopped eating everything I liked. I'm like a carbivore. If it's not a carb, I really don't want to eat it. So I wasn't eating very much at all because I'd cut everything that brought me happiness out of my life. I mean, food wise, uh, <laughs> still mean, my family, my kids, my husband. I love them. My job.
0: I, I didn't misunderstand that part. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> everything I cut, everything I love out of my life, food basically. Scott, no, but everyone in your family struggle with weight, or are you like an anomaly? Um,
1: I would say no. It, it's it's something that every single person in my family, like we just have crap genetics. I always joke. I'm the youngest of seven kids. I always joke that. I'm the genetic trash left over after the other six kids because I've got, you know, a heart condition, diabetes. Like, I just, and my body's just crap. I'm like, thanks, mom and dad. Thanks for that.
0: It, was good of you. It's what was left that they had to work <laughs> yeah. with.
1: Have you seen the, the movie Twins with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny sure, DeVito? Of course. From the 90s, yeah. And he's like, I'm the genetic crap left after him. I'm like, that's totally, I'm the genetic <laughs> crap feel? left over. After all the the others.
0: Did um, your heart, I I just have to ask, I I don't think the timeline lines up the way you explained it, but is the fen-fen have anything to do with the heart issue? Nope. No, okay.
1: No, and I didn't, I really didn't have any adverse effect. I lost like 30 pounds until I stopped taking it, and then I gained 30 pounds back.
0: What did it do for you? Do you remember?
1: I simply did not feel hungry. Okay. Like at all, ever at all. Like it was a struggle. I was counting calories just to make sure I got enough food in my body.
0: Yeah. Are you pissed that now the GLP-1s exist and you had to get cut open to have that feeling?
1: You know what? I am not. It. It. I can't imagine. I think about it now, like the choices, the medical choices my parents had to make. The year I had gastric bypass, I had an, an appendectomy in February. I had an angioplasty in April and I had a uh, gastric bypass in July. Wow. I mean it was just like this crazy medical year for me, but it changed my life. Like I so I can't imagine all of the heartache and I'm sure prayer and and all of the things that went into it for them to make that choice for me. Mm-hmm. I was on board cuz nothing worked. I mean I just I tried hard at a lot of things and it was the only thing that worked. And then for a lot of years, I struggled with a lot of guilt, feeling like, oh, I took the easy way out. Until um, like 15 years ago, I was watching an episode of The Biggest Loser, at, which I love. Mm-hmm. And um, a girl on the, the Biggest Loser was about my same age, and she'd had gastric bypass about my same time. And she weighed 300 pounds again, and I was sitting at like 180, and I was like, okay, what they told me when I had gastric bypass is that it eighty percent of the people keep eighty percent of the weight off, and I sit very firmly in that category. Mm-hmm. So it changed my life. I would I would do it again, even though I had a lot of complications since then because of it. So even with the the complications,
0: you would still do it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I have a, a maybe an odd question. You have kids, right? You said I do. Yep. So I always think that one day Kim Kardashian's children are going to grow up and go, hey, where's my big round ass? (laughs) And how come my lips aren't full? Why don't I look like this? Mm -hmm. Do you worry that, like, because you're thinner now, what if if your kids follow in your footsteps, like, what are you going to do for them?
1: So um, it is, it's, it's something that has already happened. You know, we have um, both my kids have struggled one way or another. My daughter in particular, it's a powerful thing to say to a kid, look, I know exactly how you feel. Mm -hmm. Like I, my daughter's lost 60 pounds in the last year. She's done amazing things. I'm super proud of her to, you know, taking some healthier steps, but but at the the hardest points, I'm like, yeah, I know what this is like. I know how it feels to be 15 and have, you know, your life and be like this. So I think in a lot of respects, it is just because it's not like I'm like, oh, yes, I'm so hot now. You know, it's not anything like that. Like, it's like, dude, I and they see that I still work every day. I exercise regularly. I'm careful about what I eat. Like it they we just talk about the crappy genetics that i have now the trash i have passed to them you're welcome children
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah um how old is she now
1: she's uh, she'll be 16 this summer
0: she'll be 16 okay mm-hmm. so now i'm putting myself in the position of the people listening and i'm going to sure. i'm going to ask like i mean it they're going to like some people are going to think you must be eating like Fritos with one hand and drinking Coke with another and snorting sugar. but is nope. is, is that's not the case, right?
1: No, it's I think, and for each person, it's different. Mm-hmm. What I can say about myself, i I won't speak to my daughter because, you know, yeah. I am really open. She is less open. so sure. um, I'll speak to myself. For me, I was a frequent eater. I was always super active. We had a trampoline. I rode my bike all over town, like, the activity part of it I wasn't super sedentary I simply was just hungry a lot so I and it wasn't like I was eating trash all the time I just ate frequently a I, I was a grazer and a meal eater
0: <laughs> yeah this is this is what I wanted to dig into did, did you if if any of this sounds familiar tell me uh, you will open your eyes in the morning and wonder immediately what you're going to eat
1: yes but that is still how I live my life simply because I love food.
0: Well, That's okay. But but so then you decide what you're going to have for breakfast. You're already thinking about lunch.
1: You know, it's been a lot of years now Mm -hmm. since I've, but I mean, yeah, I, I live a very, even now, I mean, obviously differently because of diabetes that it's a food centric life, but yeah. Yeah. And I'm a good cook and a good baker. And so, yeah, I'm always thinking like, what is the next delicious thing we're going to eat?
0: Yeah. Didn't, didn't ever feel full.
1: You know, I think about that. I, it's not that I didn't feel full and it's, it's true even today is that I don't stay full for a long time. Okay. Like I could, my husband will eat a big meal and he'll be like, I'm not eating for four more days. You know, yeah. like he's like, so he stays full forever. And me, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like so full that I think I'm going to die. And like an hour and a half later, I'm like, I could eat, you know, like mm-hmm. let's do this.
0: If somebody said, "Are you hungry?" Would you respond, "I'm always hungry."
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I usually say, "I could eat."
0: <laughs> I could eat. Okay. So the reason I bring it up is because I'm now um I'd have to dig through my box of empty Wegovy pens here, but I'm now mm-hmm. I'm now just about three months into using Wegovy, so I just and how
1: are you liking it?
0: Well, I like being thinner. I can tell you that much. Yeah. um, Yeah. I just injected my one milligram, my last one milligram dose. So I move up next week on Tuesday. So I'm pretty much Uh a week shy of three months. And I am 20 pounds lighter, maybe a little more. I look different. Like Uh I'm starting to look at myself and think like, oh, this is what I thought I looked like. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Is this like the same thing as what you think you sound like? Are you photoshopping yourself in your brain?
0: I might have been because I <laughs> used to tell myself like, oh, I just need to lose 20 pounds. Then I lost 20 pounds. And I was like, oh, I must have been wrong about that because <laughs> I didn't lose 20 pounds to go all done. I lost 20 pounds and I went, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, um, I didn't realize th- that part about the weight. I do want to say in fairness to... Me and to give a pretty accurate picture, I'm one of those people you would categorize as carrying weight really well. Like you would, sure. you would not have looked at me and said, "I mean, I'll, I'll just say it because I've said it on the podcast already." But like I, when I started Govi I weighed two thirty three. Okay. And you're
1: wait, how tall are you?
0: Five nine. But you would okay. have you would have been hard pressed to peg me for more than about 180 pounds. Okay. It's just weird how I don't know how it it's masked is the sure. only, and why after losing 20 pounds, I looked and I was like, well, okay. I mean, that's a, it's a good start. But the point is, is this, this GLP-1, like, you know, which would be Wegovi, Manjaro, I think that might right. be, yeah, uh, Ozempic, like these drugs, right? These new injectable ones. Um, I physically can't eat very much food. Yeah. Um And the, and it's interesting because the closer to the injection day, like I'll inject today, I'll have, I won't be able to eat a whole lot today. Tomorrow, mm-hmm. the next day, three, four days, it'll be pretty much like that. As it tails off the fifth, sixth day, I can eat a little more. Like, like uh-huh. I could, but I'm not hungry. I. So what I mean by that is I don't feel as full as quickly, but I'm just at this point now where I'm just not hungry. Um, right. You know, and I didn't have all the draw to food that you've described or other people have described my, my wife sure. my, my wife will come on here one day and talk about like the voice in her head that's like eat you know and by the way she, uh-huh. al- she also has a thyroid issue do you
1: i do not but it is like my family is
0: autoimmune central
1: autoimmune <laughs> yes yeah like I've got a couple brothers with ankylosing spondylitis. I've got, my dad has psoriasis. Type 2, well, type 2 is not autoimmune, Mm -hmm. but like type 2 is running rampant, which is why I originally was misdiagnosed. Thyroid issues, my mom and my grandma and my aunt are hypothyroid. My sister's hyperthyroid. I mean, like, we're just a, a mess.
0: Yeah, isn't it interesting too? I thought right away when you said it that you and your sister are similarly aged and around the same time, developed yeah. an autoimmune disease.
1: Which, Isn't that crazy? Well, it
0: felt like there was a countdown timer on both of you. Like, it
1: see, it feels that way. Yeah. I wonder, the thing that, like, I have lots of of questions about, you know, how my, like, what triggered my diabetes, if you will, mm-hmm. or... Or how long I had high blood sugars and didn't know it because I just think, you know, like, was it slowly creeping up? Like, it keeps me awake at night sometimes to think, like, how much damage did I do to my body simply because I was unaware? And, I mean, I ran a full marathon undiagnosed. Hmm. Like, a month before I was diagnosed, I ran a full marathon.
0: Well listen this is not scientific but after you were after you were diagnosed and went on insulin did you gain a bunch of weight
1: so i haven't gained weight i didn't gain weight so i okay i they put me on metformin immediately and then i stopped eating like any carbs and still my blood sugar was about 250 regularly okay and then they put me on um Gosh, I can't think of the name of it. It cost me. I learned a lot about advocating for myself medically when I went to the pharmacy and paid $1,000 for a drug. And I was just like, well, this is what the doctor said I needed. Mm -hmm. And so I just spent the money and I went back and he was like, why did you do that? And I'm like, I know you said I needed this drug. And he's like, no, if it's ever that much. He's like, never. He actually left the room, went and called the rep immediately in the middle of my appointment you told me it would be this much for my patients. It is not like he was livid that 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 drug cost me as much as it did.
0: I'm hearing uh, hearing the endocrine society, I think that's what it's called, is starting to talk about um, metformin like for a type two diagnosis is not going to be an uh an instant um, prescription anymore. I think they're going to start moving people towards these GLP-1 injections.
1: Uh, I think I could... I could totally see how that would be awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But they put me, they put me, he put me on a drug that was um, essentially Lantus and Victoza, like a combination drug. I can't remember what it's called now. Had a weird name.
0: Lantus and Victoza combo.
1: Yeah, it was. um, I tried to look it up earlier. I just can't remember what I tried to look it up in my prescription history. And then it had a, an issue because it was like a million years ago
0: hmm. i don't see that it's I it's don't see that uh, it, it was. well a, i mean it was when i when i
1: went off uh zoltify that's what it was called
0: wow look at zoltify hold that right out of your ass hold on a second
1: yeah i indeed i did
0: <laughs> x-u-l-t-o-p-h-y uh, y-
1: yes all
0: right Let's see. What that and is. it
1: was, but what what ended up happening was it was just too much insulin for me. So I was having lots of hypos. Yeah. And so eventually, but I still needed an upper dose. Like I, I take Victoza, so I'm on um, Semgly, Victoza, Lungev, and I still take Metformin. So those are my my four meds that I'm on. You're on Victoza. And
0: yeah. You should talk to them about a GLP, like a, one of the newer ones.
1: I agree. I totally agree. And I yeah. have an appointment next month. Honestly, if I can say a couple of things about the podcast, because I don't want to run out of time and not have the opportunity to say the ways that it has just changed my life.
0: Hey, can before yeah. you do that, can I just say something stupid so I can put the ad here? Sure. Okay. <laughs> Zultify, uh has a tagline. It says, when it's time to intensify, think exultify.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what in the world?
0: Whoever wrote that, you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> intensify what? I don't know. Oh but gosh. I really didn't want to go too much farther without saying that uh yes. that exultify is a type two medication. I didn't want people to get confused. Um Well But and, our, and But they're I giving can, it to you.
1: Yes. So okay. the the thing I want to say about the podcast is it gave me... So I went to a, the diabetes education course that was recommended by my GP. And it was... I mean, it was good in some respects, but like I already knew what a carb was. I know that everything in our body ultimately breaks down to glucose. So I understood that fat and protein... I didn't know, know it, but when they said... Fat and protein break down at different rates. It will cause a rise late, you know, at different times. I was like, okay, that totally makes sense to me. When there are people in the class who are like, no, that isn't fat. It's not glucose, you know, like, yeah. so, so it was helpful in some respects, but, um, but a lot of it, like I already understood a lot of it, the podcast gave me information, knowledge that I needed so that when i went to my endocrinologist i could communicate in intelligently oh. and ask the right questions and my endocrinologist is amazing i absolutely love him and the one of the main reasons is because he treats me like a partner in my care i mean you re- i read on you know all the diabetes facebook pages and stuff about and those who are like, this is how I do it. What I said to him is I said, look, I know that my my carb ratio is, you know, one to fifteen. I said, I am almost never dosing that way. And the podcast gave me like the courage to dose appropriately for what I was eating and to try different things. Like I never, I'm a rule follower. So I never would have broken out of that box of You know, I took the right amount of insulin. I waited this amount of time and I ate my bowl of Cheerios and went to 400. You know, like I took the right amount,
0: but. I want to ask you a question about that. So is what you're saying is that they had your ratio one to 15, but your ratio needs to be stronger than that? Yes. Okay.
1: And so when I said my ratio needs to be stronger than that, and I said, I really, I feel like I'm just barely having enough insulin by the time my prescription renews, can you prescribe me more? And what he said was, about how much insulin do you use a day? Let's prescribe it that way. And I said, okay, um, the most I'm going to use in a day is, you know, 50 units probably. Mm. And he's like, okay, we'll prescribe 50 units a day. So instead of like fighting me on, well, Kim, you should, you know, really eat fewer carbs, you're using less. He just was like, yes, you are managing. And I think probably if I had outlandish A1Cs, and was trying to tell him how things were going but my last well and also you helped me advocate podcast helped me advocate for myself to get some more testing and to get a CGM okay. because i was diagnosed type 2 for 2 years and my a1c originally fell from 14.8 to um 6.8 i think is the lowest it was before i started fast
0: acting like um loom Jeb. Oh wow. That's that's And incredible. Hey listen, so you don't, I, you don't have to stop yourself from saying I helped you. I I <laughs> you were like You
1: helped <laughs> me. You helped me, Scott. It was all you. None Jenny, just you. <laughs> yeah, no,
0: I'm just joking. I I usually I try to like separate myself in my head from that probably sounds pompous to people, but I don't think of it as me. I think of it as the podcast. But when you you at one point you said you helped me and then you stopped me. you said, the podcast helped me. And I thought, oh, that felt good. I could take that a couple of
1: times. <laughs> you can have it. You can have it. It Because I just, like, it just gave me courage to take more insulin. And if I sit it, if I go to 300 to not stay there, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm still MDI and I've talked to my doctor about doing a pump and he, I, I know that um, obviously, you know, Many people have had lots of success of keeping A1C low, but he's like, you won't have as good a control with a pump as you have. MDI is kind of what he told me because I have pretty tight control now. Like my my last, I will call it unassisted A1C was five point nine. When mm-hmm. I say assisted, I have because of the gastric bypass, um, I've I have to have iron infusions occasionally, mm-hmm. and because uh, my I just don't absorb iron well through my stomach anymore and and can become pretty anemic like my um my ferritin ferritin is like has this huge range it's like 32 to 250 or, yeah, is the normal like range yeah, right yeah and mine was two yeah. in december
0: uh, i think my lowest was 11
1: Ooh, yeah and you just yeah. you feel like you're so tired you know, you
0: feel like, you know, I just described it to somebody recently and I said the closest that I can, I can get to explaining to you what it feels like when your ferritin is that low is I just felt like I was dying. Like, like yeah. I was yeah. actually like worried I was dying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I don't know this feeling. It's very upsetting. I'm weak. Yeah, I can't, <laughs> I'm dizzy. Like this must be dying right here, you know?
1: Um, I apologize for laughing when you said that you felt like you were dying and that your death is not funny to me, nor oh. your feelings of death are not funny. No, I just Sorry, I laughed I, don't,
0: I think you were just laughing because I deliver words in a fun way. Y- y- you
1: really do. Yeah, yeah, You're yeah, yeah. very funny. Of course. Good job.
0: Thank you. <laughs> I'm hilarious. <laughs> that's the well, By the way, that's the thing husband, I do online because it's so dry in writing people, people will say something nice about me and I'll go, Oh yes. I I won't even say yes. I just go, I'm hilarious. And I put a period and I, (laughs) in my mind, I'm like, that's so funny. And then I think everyone doesn't know that that's supposed to be funny. And then I find that funny. (laughs) Yes. Yes.
1: I teach high school. Yeah. And so I consistently am saying to kids, that was a joke, guys. You guys, that was a joke. Yeah. come on you guys yeah. i'm really funny and the kids that you know they write in my yearbook at the end of the year and they were like it's really funny when you think you're funny <laughs> because i do find myself hilarious my husband always says that i'm i'm my own biggest fan he's like <laughs> i've tried i've tried to be your biggest fan kim but you you are an even even bigger fan of you than i
0: am <laughs> i uh once in a while, every couple weeks, I re-listened. I just pick out an episode randomly and listen to it to make sure it sounds the way I want it to sound. Uh-huh. And uh, this morning, I listened to the diabetes myth about uh, snake oil. And okay. I, I have to admit, I laughed one time. And I thought, it's probably wrong for me to laugh It's something that I said. <laughs> but
1: No, it is like, if you're not going to find you funny, really, who is?
0: I guess we'd be in trouble. You have then.
1: a responsibility yeah. to find yourself right. funny.
0: So, so yeah. can, let's make sure I understand I was- this. Uh, yes, the podcast really me mm-hmm. but the podcast is giving you the opportunity to learn things you wouldn't learn else why, or otherwise and the the feeling like it's okay to go into a doctor's office and talk about it but yet you tripped me up a minute ago i don't agree with your doctor about a pump making your control worse How, that's i agree ridiculous so i
1: think i think that i don't know i'm i'm kind of scared of a pump just because I've really, I've been MDI for, I've only been properly diagnosed for about, well, oh, I guess it's coming up on two years, two years um, mm-hmm. Halloween, yeah two years on Halloween will be, um, and I'm comfortable MDI. And so, but I, like when I listen, so I haven't listened to a ton of the pumping um, episodes because, you know, they don't apply to me.
0: Well, a couple things. I don't care if you get a pump or not. That's my first thought. Mm-hmm. The second thought is the pumping episodes do apply to you. They apply to everybody. It's just, using sure. ins- it's just using insulin. And third, it doesn't make any sense that for a doctor to tell you that your control would get worse if you moved off of MDI. The only way I can wrap my head around that is if the doctor believes you're being over because that's what they do to MDI patients sometimes. They give them too much basal because they're afraid they're going to forget to bolus. And right. maybe they just think that you're coming to this number through a little bit of luck. And if that's not the case, then I don't understand the statement about the pump.
1: I think I think what he's thinking is because my average glucose is below the control setting on the pump. Like what is a pump? Like 120?
0: No. Is like, well, what well, I no. don't know because I no. don't have a pump. You can sit, um, so, um, I mean, like your target glucose,
1: no, like, like where it will automatically, like, oh, you're the not just talking ones. about a
0: pump, you're talking about an algorithm,
1: yeah. I oh, guess okay. that's what I'm okay, thinking.
0: okay, all right. Uh, 112 and a half for tandem, 110 for omnipod five loop is the do it yourself algorithm. I arden's target is right. 85 on loop, I think, or 90 right now, maybe.
1: Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I, I would absolutely, if I decided like I wanted a G7 and I was like, Hey, will you please write me a prescription for a G7? Cause yeah. that's what I want to do. And he was like, sure. And when I wanted a CGM, I said, I think I would really like to know, cause I was finger sticking, like, I don't know, 150 <laughs> times a day. Not really, but you know, I just, I Feels like am it. very dedicated to making sure my care is good yeah. because because long term i'm like oh every time my blood sugar spikes you know over 160 i'm sandblasting my insides i don't want to do that i
0: doesn't feel particularly good either right w- you don't feel not right. well, feel well either
1: no i feel fine oh. i could sit at 200 all day long and and be perfectly happy like i physically feel almost no adverse Effects when I was like 400 all the time. Yeah. I felt like crap, mm-hmm. but at 200, I, I don't have a headache. I don't, I don't feel grumpy. I mean, I'm grumpy because I'm like, ah, freaking, I totally screwed that bullets up or, you know, hmm. whatever, whatever thing that it's annoying to me. Yeah. Um, but physically it's, it's scary. I wish I felt worse when I was high, but I don't
0: really does illustrate the, um, the, one of the main issues with the higher blood sugar cuz it is causing you physical harm and right. and if you don't notice it then you know why would you react to it
1: right and because of the podcast because of you scott <laughs>
0: <laughs> now we're getting to I,
1: it there you go there you go yeah. i switched my um setting to be between to to start my high alerts at 150 instead if it went so 150 is my oh, my set you. high good for you
0: that's excellent it's it, it's the easiest and simplest way to lower your variability in your a1c is to lower your higher alarm
1: yeah and so is is it always effective well <laughs> <laughs> i the, i was actually listening to dana's episode this morning and when you said that arden that you rarely have arrow up or arrow down i was like well someday scott Someday I'll not have arrows up or down, but I'm still in the land of just, you know, trying to figure it out. Really, yeah, and experimenting. I feel with like that. I'm like a, I mean, human petri
0: dish. Yeah, two two years into it as an adult, you're doing terrific. Like, you know, that's just, I mean, no straight up. I I'm not over-exaggerating, like straight up arrow on a CGM, double up, uh, I haven't seen a double arrow in forever, but a straight up arrow down or straight down arrow, we don't get those. So like, and that's just a function of balancing your insulin against the carbs well. Sure. But that takes time to figure out.
1: Well, and I think um, like a little, one of the reasons I would love uh, a pump, I think, is because I'm a teacher. And so when it comes to like, getting ready for lunch i'm not like well excuse me for a second classroom full of 50 kids i'm gonna walk into the other room and shoot up you know a little insulin so um
0: would you feel differently about pre-bolusing for a meal in front of the class if it was with a pump do you think
1: i would have no problem with the pump because it'd just be like boop boop and i am not i know some people feel um shame with diabetes or they they Want to hide things and I am simply not that person. Like my we did a meme contest. I'm a choir teacher. We did a meme contest at the end of the year. And it was like this meme of and it said Mrs. uh Mrs. Kim, because you don't want to know my last name, teaching, trying to teach choir. And then in the back it's like this lurking figure, um, her low alarm, you know. So it's like I I tend to sit lower rather than higher because I would rather treat really quick than sit at 200 Mm -hmm. you know it's it's easy to just eat it and then so but consequently my low alarm is is going off and then my students will say are you trying to die and I was like yeah or no or it's the first day of the you know of my uh Dexcom so it's all jacked even it thinks I'm dying but I'm not or you know whatever (laughs) thing so so if I had a pump I would 100% just do that. Full of swallow.
0: Yeah. Not that I dis. Not, I. By the way, it's not that I don't understand. I just want to make sure I'm. I'm clearly getting your vibe. You don't want to inject something in front of the kids.
1: It's just that you
0: think one of their parents like, would call.
1: Well, here's what it is. I inject in my stomach because when I inject in my arms and my legs, I get these really big red welts. Oh. I don't get them on my stomach. I get them on my arms and legs, and I bruise really bad. You don't on my want to pull up legs. your shirt. So yeah, I don't want to be like whipping out my belly and i as previously stated i had a gastric bypass so i have an ample amount of extra skin to inject into so you know i don't want to whip out my belly and be like you know shooting up although i'm not i'm never shy about needing to dose if the kid walks into my office while i'm giving myself an injection it does not phase me in the least like it just is what it is okay well that
0: that's cool. Now I mean I also yeah. I'm fairly respectful of, you know, um, <laughs> of 50 kids. Well and any
1: to. kid, well any kid who might be woozy about needles. You know, you have a a kid who has a basal bagel thing about needles and they go down and you're like, "Ah crap."
0: It's easy to weed out the weak ones that way. That'd be great.
1: <laughs> the other thing that I have loved about being really open about it is I have several um type 1 students. And so it is one of those things where it is a bonding thing where we understand each other. And and a lot, some of them, you know, were diagnosed at, at two. And some of them it's been, you know, they're a year in or two years in. Mm-hmm. And I'll have you know that I always suggest your podcast, Thank you. Scott.
0: Thank you. That's you i suggest
1: go. you to people yeah
0: i mean it's weird if you say it that way so go back to the podcast thing i i started getting uncomfortable with it a minute or two you ago. Yeah, you yeah. know
1: what you can't have it both ways here you either take the credit or you don't
0: <laughs> i am trying to have it both ways and i feel like i'm accomplishing it so. um
1: uh, but it's it's a cool thing to be able to uh, but of course i worry about them like i'm like Ugh.
0: yeah no, it's, you uh, know i
1: had a a kid whose low alarm went off in class and it went off i think Three times, and I finally looked at her and I said, "Are you going to do something about that?" She's like, "I guess."
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> I a was little planning bitter. on waiting till I was dizzy, but okay, just mm-hmm, hoping mm-hmm. it wasn't going to happen. Um, yeah, I get that. All right, so wow, this is a lot. You've been through a fair amount in your time.
1: Well, you know, it—it's just kind of one of those. Those weird things. My parents never treated my heart stuff like it was a big deal. Not that they didn't care for me. Like I always had regular care. They were, you know, I had heart surgery at eight and again at 14. And then when I was 27 or eight. And so they have always been, you know, very good about my care. Mm -hmm. But as one of seven kids, I it wasn't. We just—they didn't make a big deal about yeah, they it. Probably like they didn't were,
0: have the energy to make a big deal out of it. Yeah, but
1: seriously, I—I <laughs> I think it was more that they didn't want me to freak out about it. Yeah, and I—I I didn't have any adverse physical. Like I never had any restrictions of what I could do, what I couldn't do. Like I just lived a normal life, mm-hmm. aside from all the heart surgeries. <laughs> <laughs> um. But, are there any follow-up so, surgeries
0: con- needed for your heart or you do you feel done with that?
1: No. So I just went to the cardiologist last month and it was kind of like the first time that, because it is a progressive, like I'm on the train. I'm on the tracks. That's what the doctor said. You're on the tracks. Like there's there's no getting off. The tracks, this is from birth. So um, I have a bicuspid aortic valve, which means there's two flaps instead of three flaps on the valve. So it causes a heart murmur and that valve is hardening over time because it's, you know, kind of overworked and stuff. And then the ascending aorta is getting bigger because my descending aorta is like pinched and twisted. So I had two angioplasties to try and like spread that part out. And then they went in and put in a stent Mm. after that um but esen- essentially someday the valve will crap out and it'll send me into congestive heart failure and the ascending aorta expanding so i'll need a valve replacement at the least and a whole new aorta at the most
0: did they give you a time frame for that
1: the time frame for the valve has always been 20 years when i was 20 years old i went in and this will probably last about 20 years when i was 40 i went in eh, it's still looking pretty good maybe another 20 years so um, I have a hereditarily low heart rate, like really low. Okay. My resting heart rate is in the 40s most of the time, 40s, 50s. Hmm. It has been as low as the 30s. If I'm in the hospital, they have to turn the,
0: the, the monitor, monitor
1: off. off to like the alarm off. Yeah. Because yeah, it'll yeah. beep all the time. My personal theory that is none related to anything the doctor said is that my heart beats like half as many times as normal people's hearts. So maybe that's why it's lasting a little longer.
0: You're not using it up as quickly.
1: That's right. But it is um, like the last appointment I had, my aorta had grown, the ascending aorta had grown 50% faster than they expected it to. Oh,
0: so So, it might be excel. And that's probably another reason why you're so careful about your blood sugar, too.
1: Yes, because I already have all of these comorbidity factors. Yeah. It's like, have you seen The King of Queens?
0: Uh, Yes. You've seen
1: that show? And, you know, Kevin James is a heavy guy and Leah Remini's the skinny thing, but Mm -hmm. she smokes and they're meeting with their life insurance guy and they each have these bad habits and they're like trying to out die one another. And so my husband and I always talk about like, I'm like, dude, I'm totally going to out die you. Like I will die first. There's there's no two ways about it. I got like 85 things. It does. I could have, could be the, the cleanest living human on the planet. I'm still going to die before you. Eat another cheeseburger. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you have a very good um, attitude about all this.
1: Well, I, I feel like, what are my options? Can I control whether or not I have a heart condition, whether or not I have diabetes? I cannot. The only power that I have is to control how I react to it. And I can let it make me bitter and hardened and grumpy and hate everything or i can let it make me be a kinder more compassionate person
0: mm.
1: and the person i want to be is a kinder person and so instead of not to say i mean the first 2 years i went to the endocrinologist i think i cried probably every other every other appointment just cuz it was hard it was it, it's hard to know that for the rest of your life you will never take a bite that you don't think about mm. Yeah. You know, there's, it's just always there. And, and so that sucks sometimes, but we, we just, you know, try to like, when my low alarm goes off, my husband said one day, <laughs> cause I am, um, an off the scale extrovert. I love center of attention is my jam. You know, like I think I'm very funny, similar to someone else I know or now know, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so one day my low alarm went off and my husband looked at me. He's like, oh, was it not about you for five minutes, Kim? And so that's like the running joke in the house. Now, if, if my low alarm goes off, it, it's because it wasn't about me for a few minutes. We got to bring it back around to me.
0: <laughs> do you think that's a joke or do you think that it's overshadowing people's lives?
1: I absolutely think it's a joke. My husband... Well, I was actually was in Dana's episode today, I was listening and thinking about like my husband doesn't follow my CGM. He doesn't follow me on on my decks. In fact, nobody does. Like I mm-hmm. I do all of my own management. I talk about diabetes all the time. In fact, I said, today's my episode that I get to that I'm like recording. He's like, It's your favorite topic. <laughs> so he is unendingly supportive and has listened to hours upon hours of diabetes, everything. He thinks I am the greatest thing in the world. Like he, he legitimately, I always joke that he thinks the sun shines out my butt. Like he just adores me in every way imaginable. And so, so it is, I, I'm sure sometimes he's like, oh my gosh, if I have to hear about diabetes again, you know, rolling his eyes a little bit, but he is eternally kind and patient and, Oh, it's lovely. Wonderful. Very yeah, nice. he's just the very best.
0: Maybe sunshine does come out of your butt and you just can't see it.
1: Uh, perhaps. Yeah. Perhaps. It wouldn't surprise me.
0: <laughs> Don't let your kids hear this because they're going to wonder how he knows that it comes out of your butt. And
1: it's <laughs> okay. Hard
0: to explain. You know what I mean?
1: Oh, my gosh. <laughs>
0: I mean, it's difficult. Look, to I did not want
1: to be an after dark episode you're here. Not, you're
0: not an it. after dark episode. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Unless there's something you want to tell me, and then we could switch nope. this over very quickly. here are things to... <laughs>
1: I want to tell you. I feel like this is getting surprisingly close to a butthole adjacent. No.
0: What a great <laughs> title, though. I'm proud of myself oh, about that. Oh my title. gosh,
1: that was! I laughed out loud multiple times mm. in that episode. I was just like, "Well, oh, my gosh." My
0: gosh. I- I was at a family gathering recently and people were talking about things they were proud of. And I said, I one time thought to call a podcast episode Butthole Adjacent. And I wasn't kidding.
1: Wait, are you going to call my episode Sunshines Out My Butt?
0: No, of course not. It's not a real thing. It's a thing you made up.
1: Whatever. You don't know. It's
0: not even even real. (laughs) Not even real. Yeah, I don't know what to call yours.
1: You could simply say that I'm delightful. That's what I like to say.
0: Don't go fishing, Kim. That's <laughs> it's ugly. You know what I mean. I did it already. We both can't do it. <laughs> we, we we both Dang can't do it. Go you looking. got to it
1: first. Oh, I,
0: uh, please! I got people are not laughing like he does it every time, uh, and I don't do it every time. Sometimes
1: I I would like to believe that, but it's just not coming to me.
0: I have to be honest. I think uh, self deprecating humor is the best humor. So
1: it is. It is so funny. Yeah. A hundred percent of the time. You're
0: never going to know how how serious or not serious I am about the things (laughs) I say about myself. I will tell you this. I'm here's the thing I'm proud of. I know I have a reasonably comedic mind because you know how when people think of things, and they seem off kilter. You're like, they must really think about that. You know what I mean? Like they, they joke about yeah. something horrible and you're like, they probably really think that. They probably are gonna kill a hitchhiker. Like like that <laughs> kind of stuff. I um I think the things that pop into I don't think I'm 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 I know there are things that pop into my head that I string together and say that I have literally zero connection to. They yes. ju- they just seem like the most bombastic, ridiculous thing to say in that moment. Yep. And so yeah. My wife used to be like, are you like thinking about that? And I'm like, no, not at all. I'm like, like, random stuff doesn't just pop into your head. She's like, no, I'm like, all right. She's Um, like,
1: no, I'm not a freak, Scott.
0: And she goes, but you'll say it. Like, like we'll leave her mother's house and her mom will be like, what do you guys got planned for uh, the rest of the day? And I'll say, I'll I'll just very dryly, I'll say, oh, you know, we have a little bonding time coming up. We're going to pick up a homeless person and murder them (laughs) just to see what it feels like to kill a person and um and then they're staring and i go goodbye <laughs>
1: <laughs> now some people would call that comedic timing and other people would call that being a sociopath
0: yeah, they're wrong I'm about that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm messing with yeah. you. <laughs> now, don't,
0: now, if a bunch of homeless people start disappearing near my house.
1: There you go. There you go. There you go.
0: I don't think you shouldn't look into me. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying like but, really strange things pop into my head that I have no real association to. <laughs> so
1: I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad that all of the murder you've spoken of today is not a real thing for you.
0: Yeah, mur- murder's a new thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm just getting it. I'm just getting into it now. It hasn't really. I don't know where it's going to go yet. Uh, but but seriously, like just even like dumb joking. I also don't get why you can't joke with people about things like like I know it makes you uncomfortable. Like if I were to start talking about like you know. Well, I can't even use any of the words. Well, I,
1: I am I, I am on the edge of my seat. What is going to make me uncomfortable? I can't
0: use any of the words that just came into my head. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so I, I'm going to bleep it all out. Okay, Kim? Okay. All right. Okay, Kim. Okay. What, what came into my head to say was, I know it would make me uncomfortable. It would make you uncomfortable if I, like you, you said, your mom had seven kids. So if I said something like, wow, your mom was a real... Or something like that like I know that would like <laughs> make you incredibly uncomfortable because people don't like to talk about their parents like that for some reason. Let me just write down where the time where I said that
1: my mom more uncomfortable than me.
0: Well you would think that all the f- she did would have made her uncomfortable but <laughs> 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 So see that's how I could do it if I wanted to. Sure, sure. But I don't, I hold all that back because this podcast is about diabetes and helping people who can't get their (laughs) ferritin up and their thyroid. And there, there is a a family friend who said to me, like, I am not surprised you have a popular podcast. He goes, I am stunned about the topic though.
1: (laughs) What, if your friend could pick, what do you think he would, he would pick as your podcast? topic
0: gosh i assume something where i could say your mom something yes and that those made her really sore (laughs) in a a delightful way where people were laughing about it (laughs) right i don't know i
1: I thought for sure it was going to be something murdery based on today's conversation
0: i don't have any interest in that at all
1: i'm I'm glad yeah
0: i'm like i mean like you know some people like true crime and things Mm -hmm. like that like i have no thought i just not at all not at all
1: I was thinking about one of the. I was like, "Oh, I do have a funny like when I was undiagnosed, like a pee story." Oh my gosh!
0: <laughs> well, Wait, you,
1: you just I am going
0: to finish my. Well, I am going to finish my thought. I would be okay. I would be more irreverent, and um, I would not be careful about language because sure. I would prefer to curse a little more. Uh, I probably <laughs> wouldn't do it much, but I'd be I'd love to be able to do it without bleeping it out. You know what I mean? Um, Sure. But you know, it's funny. I was in the shower this morning and I thought, I wonder if I could do this the rest of my life. Like, I'm going to get older. Like, could I make a podcast as an older person? And And I had this like fleeting thought of like having a podcast calling Described. And then I would just pick very like simple things and describe them. And I'm like, I don't think that's a podcast, but that's what popped into my head this morning, like a blade of grass or grout in between the tile. I could just go to where those things were, set up a a, a microphone, and then very meticulously describe what I was looking at. Maybe the episodes would be like five or ten minutes long. And then I was like, that's nah, probably not a good idea.
1: <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> it's not. Just, I know it's not, Kim.
1: <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> But I was, that sounds terrible. You yeah. should
0: move on to the next idea. <laughs> yeah, I'm like I'm like, I, but it it popped into my head, and I was like, that's not a good idea at all. but I'm like, <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, I have no idea. Like I don't think you, you think m- you'll
1: be a lifelong podcaster. Like is that what you're like not this podcast specifically, but like I've something been, else. On I've the been side. doing it
0: for nine straight years.
1: so how many episodes do you record
0: a week? Four or five?
1: Well, that's a lot. Yeah, I do it that's every I of, do it every day. Do you ever feel like you're going to like run out of people to talk to? No. Do you like have there been some that you've interviewed somebody? Certainly not me because I'm delightful. Certainly. But where you just interviewed somebody and you're like that was like talking to like a paper bag. <laughs> like just no personality, nothing. You know, I don't. Really... I don't
0: think of it that way. Like, there have been a couple of people who are not my cup of tea, and sure. I just have the best conversation that I can find to have with them. Okay. And then when I, then of course, their episode sits for a while before it gets edited and put online. And then <laughs> no, 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 they all do. I, I see where you thought sure, I was joking, sure. but 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 when I go back and edit it, I do recall like, oh, I don't, re- I didn't enjoy this. And then right. there's this moment inside of me where I go. Just like lose it, like delete it and like email them. Go, hey, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> uh, like I, your file got corrupted. Uh, but, but, but if I, I get
1: an email tomorrow, so help
0: me. <laughs> I'm going to send you that one just for fun. But, um, <laughs> but I've never done that. And I'm glad I haven't ever done that because those are some of the episodes I get the most mail about sometimes. So what oh, really? I've, I've learned that they're, they're not my cup of tea, they're someone's cup of tea. Sure, sure. You know, so I just interview them the same way I would interview anyone. There are people who are not natural talkers. Like I interviewed a guy a couple weeks ago. It was a great interview, but the truth is, if I didn't fill, it would have been 18 minutes long. Right. And but what I think what I've learned over time is this might be a little bit too behind the scenes, but there are some people listening who really do just want to hear me talk. And there are some people listening who want. Who, I, I, it's true, right? And then there are some people listening who want to hear me talk to another person. And there's some people sure. who are putting up with me because the things I get out of the people. Um, and there are some people who just think there's great diabetes content in here, and they're like, oh, "If I have to listen to this asshole to get the good diabetes content, I guess I will." And like, and that's all like whatever. Like it's it's all fine with me, um, but. I don't. I used to get scared. I used to think like, "Oh, I'm going to talk too much in this one because they're not as talkative." But now I'm just like, "Well, that's right. what that's what this one is. Like, it's okay, sure, you know." And you talked more than me in this one.
1: Did I now? For sure. I'm you. No, yeah, for sure. You're, this <laughs> one's going
0: to be about like 60-40 You. Okay, I can tell. I mean,
1: I don't know what is it usually. Is mm, it? It's usually is there sixty a kind of
0: a. It's usually 60-40 me.
1: Oh. I like I up my game today. Mm-hmm. I am a talker, clearly. Yeah. yeah. I, so. I I I
0: I real there were times I didn't want to run you over because I didn't like the way it would feel for the flow of the conversation, but I did want to say something and I couldn't get in. Oh, sorry. Don't be sorry.
1: My my mom my mom always in the back of my head because I'm so extroverted. In the back of my head is my mom saying to me, "Listen more than you talk, Kim. <laughs> Ask more questions, Kim." Well, Jim,
0: it's not all about you. Well, forget the not all about you. I don't like it when people say that, by the way. When people <laughs> say that to me, you know what I think privately in my head? Uh, go fuck mm-hmm. yourself. That's what I think in my head when I, <laughs> people say that. But um, in my private life, I'm like, yeah, okay. You can talk more if you want. You know, I'm not, sometimes I'm talking because no one else is talking. But here's a really sure. seri- here's a serious question. It's going to sound like it's not a serious question. Are you a little fat girl in your mind? Yes. Yeah, because I'm a fat boy in my mind.
1: Yeah, forever and I had a friend the other day who's also a diabetic and because of the podcast I'm like you should go back and get more testing done cuz my friend is anyway, I don't need to go into my friend's medical history sure. although it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um but they're a, a bigger person mm-hmm. and and like I said I love to bake like so so much and I'm not going to lie, I am an excellent baker. Like if I ever decided not to teach, I would open a bakery. But they were saying to their wife, like, I know you should never trust a, a skinny cook, but, but Kim defies this. And I was like, that's because I am fat in my heart. He's like, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> oh, not only that. Because, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. In my mind.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: In my mind, it, it took me. So I had gastric bypass in 96 when I was 15. It took me probably 15 years before I didn't panic if I had to eat in like a a buffet kind of setting that I didn't think in my head, everybody is watching every bite I take. Oh, okay. 15 years. where, And I had been at a, a normal, quote unquote, normal weight for all of those 15 years.
0: Mm-hmm. That, like
1: maybe a little chubby, but not morbidly obese. Like I had been.
0: I feel like it's that like feeling of like, you you seem different than other people. And then, although I grew up in a different time, like being like chubby was different when I was young. I don't know if it's the the same now or not, but uh, you felt different enough and outside the norm enough that you were working harder to be accepted. And-
1: I think, yes, I mm -hmm. think that's true. And I think that that's probably why we are funny people. Because I felt from the youngest age, I have to make people- see past my body. Mm -hmm. Like I have to make them see me. And so I have always been the fat funny girl, you know, that's just, and now I'm just funny and with probably some body dysmorphia going on. So I have the opposite thing in pictures. Like in my mind, I'm really heavy and I'll see a picture of me and I'm like, whoa, like I am a lot thinner than I thought I was. Hmm. And I'm not like, I'm not tiny i'm about a 167 pounds now i'm not huge i'm not tiny but when i see pictures of myself i'm like oh is that what I look like Oh, huh. weird i felt like my belly stuck out way further than that or you know mm-hmm. whatever
0: no i understand that i i i'm not sure for myself like i don't think i was trying to make people like me uh, but I did I did like what you said about like feeling like you're magnifying your personality, like make sure they yeah. see this part and or so they don't notice the other part. And it's not crazy, by the way, because there were I knew people who were very athletic who also had a lot of thoughts, but people just thought of them as athletic people. Sure. You know, sure. so I you know, you do want to get in front of that. Like, it's almost like you're like, look, I know you look at me and I look chubby or whatever. But uh, here are the thoughts. But in I my am head. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Please consider judging me on this instead. You know.
1: My sixth my sixth grade teacher, um, I my next door neighbor was like one of the cool kids in class. You know he was popular, mm-hmm. and um, we rode the bus together, and we were great friends. We hung out all the time. We jump on my trampoline. We played basketball at his house. Ride our bikes around. Whatever. My sixth grade teacher said to my mom at parent teacher conferences, "It's it's like the kids don't realize she's overweight because she hadn't seen a kid who was see and I was." I weigh less now than I did in sixth grade. Like I weighed two hundred and two pounds at the end of sixth grade, as per, and probably five
0: six. That's incredible. Um,
1: or five five. Yeah. So I have always not been a little bit overweight, but significantly overweight. Mm-hmm. And I don't think she'd ever seen um, a student who wasn't an outcast because of that. And yeah. instead of being a shrinking violet and hoping no one would notice me, I was you know, the, the polar opposite, opposite like yeah,
0: yeah. I was speaking gonna, all of the attention. It's funny you said that because I was going to make the point, like I was not a sad clown. Like mm-hmm. I, no, I just Same. was, yeah, yeah. Like I was a person people enjoyed and liked and, mm-hmm. fe- and felt confident. Just it felt like I was in the wrong body for my personality. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like it's almost like the, the words and the thoughts coming out of me didn't fit what people would expect how I looked. And I don't know if they even, sure. i have no idea if they thought that or not. And I don't even know how consciously I was aware of it as a younger person, right? You know, right. Like It's it's easy to think back on it and and pretend you knew, but I don't really know. I no right, idea, no totally. idea, really. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it turns out I may just be GLP deficient, which is a thing they're what? they're starting to talk about now. So there's uh, weight doctors. I don't have enough on it to talk thoughtfully about it yet, but they're starting to look into the idea if similarly to like thyroid situation, like, you know, if you're hypothyroid, you are making, you know, the hormone, but not picking it up well, or like, you know, the, right. way, the way your body can't kind of produce or process uh, iron per- well, like, right, perhaps, I just have like, my body's making GLP, but it's not using it correctly. So by flooding, by flooding it, by giving it extra, the same way when you take like your tyrosine or your synthroid, right, somebody takes that. You're kind of right. flooding your body with that that thyroid hormone, and then your body's able to pick up enough of it to work normally from that. And it's there, so there are people thinking that that might be the situation because I have to tell you, as much as I'd like to say, I am eating slightly differently, like foods, like I've incorporated a couple of other foods um, that are healthier than what I normally do. But overall, I am not eating that much differently than I was before, and I'm losing and I'm losing weight. So it almost feels like this thing was missing and once you put it in, it was there. And you get the added benefit of it making you feel full so you can't overeat. And right. you know, and it does shut off your brain from thinking about food completely. That's I when mean for you, me. When
1: you eat, do you feel do you get the same are are you a person who takes joy from eating?
0: I wasn't before, typically? but I'm really not now. Okay. Yeah,
1: I wonder what it would be like because I like everything about food is delightful to me. Mm. Like I like creating it, I like making it look pretty, I like eating it, and so I'm wondering what. Yeah, you, it, it might, does that it change might ruin that, that it for might ruin That
0: for you a little bit. So uh, the, the girls were all Arden's home from school. The girls were all here last night, and I got a FaceTime. They were like 15 feet from me, and I got a FaceTime uh, can you, it's nine 30. I'm finishing editing a podcast episode. Can you make a sweet treat for us? And I was like, you're not even my daughter. I'm like, what, what, what do you want? And, and she goes, um, like, can, can I get like sugar cookies? And I said, I, I think I have all the ingredients for that. So I finished up, up here, put up an episode. I'm a little behind right now. I'm catching up from a trip. So I'm working. Like, I feel like I'm I feel like I'm giving you the episodes as you're asking for them. So I, I need sure. to get back ahead a little bit. Anyway, I go downstairs. I make cookies. I can tell. I look at the dough. The dough's perfect. I pinch it to try it. I eat it. It's good. It's what I think it's going to be. I bake the cookies. The girls come down and get cookies. And then at the end, I took a cookie and took a bite of it and I'm chewing it. And I was like, I don't want this. <laughs> I mm-hmm. So I just spit it in the trash. Uh, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then this morning I got up and I'm like, damn it. Like, I, i'm I don't think I'm gonna eat one of these cookies I made, so I took another bite and I was like, yeah, I don't want this,
1: still not good,
0: yeah, so it just it didn't none of the like um I mean I don't I, I t- what what do cookies do in my brain soft, chewy, but crunchy, but sweet that whole thing, yeah, they didn't like make me anything it didn't
1: hit any of those I didn't care. And, oh, and then all i that... thought
0: and then i just thought i was just gonna sit in my stomach and i was like ah forget it and that was it
1: so to me that would be a totally gray existence
0: couldn't you just like, like have oh, more sex or the something? world is gray <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> wait what did you say
0: couldn't you just have more sex or something <laughs> like i've been <mean>, like
1: <laughs> spoken like a man
0: i don't know like when, when you started like you know tightrope walking or i don't know
1: Okay. A tightrope. Oh my gosh. Just, Scott, What? come on. That is not a delicious cookie. What's wrong with you? Well, No,
0: because the cookie's not really delicious is what I'm learning. It just gives you a jolt. Ugh. So you just need to well, jolt you from are, somewhere else.
1: I, I will send you a different sugar cookie recipe because what you have made is not, <laughs> you are not doing it right. Try
0: riding a motorcycle <laughs> with one eye closed. See if that does it for you. <laughs> Run up to a bunch of cops yelling, ah
1: <laughs> like, yeah yeah. I'm sure that will hit the, that yeah, dopamine release yeah, see, I need. <laughs>
0: see if you can get some adrenaline somewhere, you know what I mean <laughs> Just start yelling, I'm crazy and run towards the cop running, wave your hands in the air. I bet you that'll get y'all lit up <laughs> for a while. I, I, I honestly what it, what it's what it's telling me is that those I that those ways that you contextualize and anybody most people contextualize food, they're not real like oh it's so good or it tastes so great or like whatever like it that's just the that's the dressing on like that's the the window dressing on the dopamine hit like it's all it is like so Hmm. you know if you could put dopamine in a vape pen i think you could feel the same (laughs) way you feel as when you like eat a cookie
1: wait isn't that like what meth is just kidding.
0: I don't know. Is it? You live in the Northwest. I don't
1: know. I have no idea. You're no, right. Yeah, I yeah. live where everything is legal. Everything yeah. is legal. And yeah, yeah.
0: Terrible. Oregon made everything legal, right? Like they did. Everything. It is.
1: I wonder what yes, the long term
0: impacts of that are. I bet you it'll end up being a net oh, positive eventually. No. You don't I, think so? No.
1: I know because I live, I live it every day.
0: What do you say? Seeing?
1: seeing the impact of that not being. It's. It's, it is awful I think it's awful um because there is no because because people who are under the influence of XYZ whatever don't care for themselves or their environment you know in a way that you or I might uh, who are oh I I can only speak for me I am not under the influence of anything besides insulin well <laughs> but they, there are, you know, lots of places in our town that aren't safe any longer. And the police can't do anything because it's not a crime to do drugs out in the open. It's not a crime to, I, yeah, so well, here's I don't what,
0: know. Here's what I'm going to say. Not that I want to see somebody doing meth at the 7 but but right. the proponents of this idea are saying that things were so out of control in Oregon to begin with that obviously what was being done was not helping anything. And, sure. and that, that that ratcheting it up more wasn't going to do anything else except make it more black market and underground and that kind of stuff. So uh, you're not helping people with drug addiction. You're just saving yourself from seeing those people, I think is the idea behind it. Um, uh, Portland saw a record 88 homicides in 2021, a 54.4% increase over 2020. They uh, cops tie that to turf wars between drug gangs. Uh, Causality is uh, ultimately unclear. Homicides increased at a greater rate fifty eight point three percent from twenty nineteen to twenty twenty. So I think what they're saying is, if you take away the illegal nature of it, you might fix other things. I mean, I don't know. Like I'm not a soci- sociologist, so a person who right. pays attention to people and knows what they're doing, um, like that, but. It's not worth not trying. And I'm happy if they're trying it in a state that I don't live in. So we'll see how it goes. Right,
1: yes. <laughs> so we'll
0: oh, see how it goes. It's easy,
1: to, it's easy to have an opinion when you're not living the day-to-day.
0: Are you, like, personally seeing it?
1: So I would say what we have seen in our town is, and I'm not in Portland, but I have seen Portland. Portland's downtown is, like, Businesses are moving out. They are, Portland is, uh, in my opinion, a disaster. It okay. is just, there. there is trash and there are tent cities. There are people just, I don't, it's, it's yeah. c- crimes, crimes being committed all over the place that they simply are just not Doing dealing so with well. any longer. Yeah so i now I'm not in Portland. What I see on the streets of my own town are big piles of trash urine feces in front of businesses throw up um needles in parking lots, you know yeah. two blocks from a middle school
0: oh, well, you can so start- to me yeah.
1: When you see things like this and then, you know, like our, our downtown streets are almost unusable. Our main bike paths that run along our beautiful river, um, have so many homeless people. And I'm not saying every homeless person is addicted to drugs or I'm not discounting people without homes as a general rule. Certainly not. But, um, what I have seen is a lot of people, screaming at each other and you know it's just
0: yeah there's a u.s news world report uh article it says that oregon's um idea is to take the money they were using for policing and move it into support and sure and rehab and stuff like that of course unless some politician diverts that money to their lake house and then maybe it won't happen there you go there you go (laughs) but um (laughs)
1: <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I don't know where so, that so money far... went. We were
0: going to help those drug addicts with. Huh? Can't find right. it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, I mean, it's obviously a problem, and it's not. Yeah. And it seems like prior, what we were doing was hiding the problem. Then it became so overwhelming that you couldn't hide it anymore. Which is what you're describing is it's it's bleeding out into the streets and to where people yeah. aren't used to seeing it. So I mean, something obviously has to be done. Um
1: I agree. You know. I agree, and I if if this works, I will be the first to say cool. I did not think this work this would work, and I'm wrong. How long but, do you
0: think it takes to know? A decade, probably, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I hope not to live in Oregon that long <laughs> to find
0: out. Are you thinking of moving?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Maybe someday. Yeah. Not not anytime soon. But I've got kids in high school. I have a son who just graduated in a daughter who will be a junior so
0: okay yeah well we have to give them a chance to use meth on the streets too
1: that's right yeah i mean we want them to do it with zero consequences <laughs> so <that laughs> they can get nice and hooked and just you know throw their whole lives away with no consequences that's what i would really like for my children do you think
0: that if your <laughs> do you think if your kid was going to do meth that a consequence would stop them
1: <laughs> that's true well no but a consequence might not, but jail might be a wake up call for him.
0: I don't know; it doesn't seem to work. It seems to put them in a place where they can get better drugs.
1: <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I don't know. I've never been to jail. Are you speaking from personal experience? I,
0: I mean, I've seen a couple TV shows. <laughs> and, sure. Uh, yeah. I. I. Yeah. Um, I, I it's. A, I mean, it's a. It's a difficult. It's obviously not as cut and dry as anybody would want it to be.
1: No, nope. you and, know. And it's it's such a multi faceted complex problem yeah. that i don't think any one solution will be the thing
0: yeah no and it's gonna, i'm not yeah. i'm
1: not saying i have any better ideas than
0: right yeah than no i understand happening. i mean i i use this as an example like if if consequences were a deterrent then like there'd be no teen pregnancy because because <laughs> teens would go well i'm not gonna have sex because the sure. consequences of that are making a baby that i'm not prepared to take care of but that doesn't right stop, totally stop anybody you know what I mean? And I don't think a I don't think a kid like saying yes to a bump of Coke at a party when they're sixteen makes them think like, well, I'm obviously gonna do this and then end up in jail because of my meth habit. <laughs> yeah, you know. or,
1: Wait, you mean teenagers don't think things through? Do you think anybody all thinks the things, way?
0: Do you think anybody thinks things <laughs> through? I like it when we say um, that, like about teenagers. Like I know a lot of adults, uh, and they're not any more well thought out than anybody else. <laughs>
1: So, I would hope. I would hope as an adult that I think things through better than the teenagers I I teach.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I'll get you drunk at a party and offer you a coke and see what happens. <laughs> you might be like, ah, I got a heart condition and diabetes, and let me Screw see. That. Yeah, let me see that. <laughs> you
1: you can't outdie me. <laughs>
0: yeah. All right, Kim, you're delightful. Thank you so much. <gasps>
1: yes. Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> we're going to I don't know what we're going to call this episode still I'll figure it out when I edit it Um, but I do really appreciate you coming on and doing this with me thank you
1: yeah it was awesome thank you
0: of course hold on one second for me a huge golden thanks to Kim for coming on the podcast today and telling her great story to us and I want to thank you guys again for hanging with me through a ninth year of the juice box podcast, not just the ninth season, a ninth year. This year we put up an episode every day, Monday through Friday, 20, 40, 60, 80, hundred, 120. That's 240 episodes this year. You guys supported it. I love you. I don't know what else to say. I hope you have a Merry Christmas and a happy new year. Wait, do you see what I have coming? Oh, you know What? On the last episode of the year, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what's coming on January 1st. Having an easy-to-use and accurate blood glucose meter is just one click away. Contournext.com juicebox. That's right. Today's episode is sponsored by the Contour Next Gen Blood Glucose Meter. But it doesn't mean we've started. I just want to know if you have any questions or concerns or anything you want to ask me before we start.
1: I don't think so. It is very surreal that you sound just like yourself.
0: <laughs> oh, you know, all right. Having Kim.
1: listened to the podcast, like you sound like the podcast. I'm like, I'm fangirling a little bit right now. That's all.
0: <laughs> well, listen, now the podcast has become because I want to keep this in so I can tell you this, right? <laughs> we were... Where were we? On Sunday, I was in the car with Arden and a friend of hers. And her friend is like, she calls me Scott. She goes, Scott, you should do voiceover work. And I
1: said, Wait, does she know that you have a podcast? No, no,
0: she does. But she's like, you should do voiceover work. And I was like, yes, you're right. Someone should just give me voiceover work. She's like, seriously, I'd like for you to be in a cartoon or something. And I was like, I would 100% <laughs> do that. Um, so... Uh, anyway, there's one 19-year-old girl in New Jersey who really believes that I should be getting voiceover work. Anyway, so... I
1: I hope that stream of income opens up for you. (laughs) That would be lovely. I
0: hear it pays well. Um, And then from there, we started talking about this whole idea about how I sound. And I told her, I was like, I sound in the podcast the way I sound in my head. But when I record myself on my phone, I don't sound the way I sound in my head.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, frequently, when I hear a recording to myself, I'm like, oh, is that really how I sound? That's too bad.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So I, I spent a little bit of time a couple of years ago, and I don't want you to think it's like it's some great change, but I tuned my voice on the podcast to sound the way I think I sound. I like it. Yes. I like it. I mean, why not? You're hearing me the way I hear me in my ears when I'm walking around.
1: Okay. Well, good job. Thank you. you. You've done a great job.
0: I don't know if everybody... You sound like you. (laughs) Or, but here, Kim, here's the freaky thing. What if that's not how I sound to other people in real life? It's It's just how I sound to myself. Someday,
1: if we ever meet in real life, I'll be like, Scott, you have a very skewed sense of how awesome you sound in real life
0: (laughs) imagine if i was like hey kim what's up (laughs) (laughs) that would be awesome you're like what do you think you sound like (laughs) anyway um introduce yourself don't use your last name we'll keep going okay